Okay, Richie. You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. Anyway, another no-hitter has been thrown since I just started making that sound. That's my co-host, Daniel Hargrove. I'm Strong Bad. We also have our producer, Andrew Gross, here with us. We've got a great show for you today. In addition to talking about the Mariners, we'll do a power ranking, and then, you know, probably do some other stuff talking about high school sports, like the bouncy ball hoop game and all that stuff. But uh, first, let's get it going with the two-minute drill. Let's go, let's go, let's go, hello! Gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Hey, two minute situation. 44 seconds, hand the ball around. Gun do it right, gun do it right. Three jet buckeye, don't worry. Three. The two minute drill starts now. <laughs> Chicago White Sox rookie Armin Mercedes hit a home run on a 47 mile per hour pitch from a position player while the Sox held a 15 4 lead in the ninth inning on Monday. The count was 3 0 at the time, and manager Tony La Russa said that he gave Mercedes the take side. <laughs> Daniel, did Mercedes violate the unwritten rules of. Ba- unwritten rules? That's stupid. And did he do anything wrong? Uh, he did violate the unwritten rules. But he did not do anything wrong. If, if somebody throws you a cookie, you hit that thing into the stands, dang it. I don't care if it's 3-0. The, the other team's got a position player in for Pete's sake. If they're not going to try, then you can hit a home run. I don't care. Like, get get over it. That's the stupidest unwritten rule to me is what count you're not allowed to swing in in a blowout. Get over it. With LaRusse's blessing, Twins pitcher Tyler Duffy, that's so stupid, threw a pitch behind Mercedes the next day and was ejected and suspended for three games by the league. Strong bat. Was Duffy out of line? Is this real? I mean, he didn't even hit him with the pitch. I hit him with my boxing gloves and it hurt more than what he did. I mean, really, it was a big deal. What's a big deal? ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported that Russell Wilson was, quote, very happy with the Seattle Seahawks offseason. Daniel, is everything fine now? Everything is fine. Cupcakes and roses and butterflies and rainbows. Yes, it's all good. Don't pay attention to anything. We all are happy now. (sighs) I hope that's the case. The Portland Trailblazers took game one from the Nuggets in Denver on Saturday. Strong bad, what's your prediction for the series? Well, obviously it's game time. Blazers in three. <laughs> How many people will get the reference to what we just did? I feel like our demographic and might get all those reference get the strong bad. If you don't but, get it, go to homestarrunner.com right now. Free plug, Homestar Runner. You're welcome. <laughs> I wonder if that <laughs> website's still active. Oh, it's still active. Yeah, it is. Yes. So good. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Justin, I'll let you stop talking in your strong, bad voice. Hopefully, you still have a voice left after doing that for that long. Yeah. I was going to try and go into a Homestar Runner voice, but I was not near confident enough, and you were <laughs> nailing that, so I didn't want to be overshadowed. Strong Bad's easier, though. It is easier. I, I think this thing with Tony La Russa... Oh, I mean, it's so stupid. So I don't agree with Strong Bad. Tony La Russa is the worst. Strong Bad's wrong. Okay. Um, Tyler Duffy, Minnesota Twins. I think their manager also got suspended for a game. 
for this. Oh, a guy hit a home run against you. It hurt your feelings. They violated some kind of a fake rule. Come on, man. Like, we, we've talked about getting, like, beaning people on purpose before. Yeah. And I feel like we've, I don't know if you completely agree with me, but I, the only way that I feel like it's acceptable to throw at someone is if you're trying to protect somebody. Like, did somebody go in cleats up on your shortstop when he was trying to turn a double play? Like, did someone do something physically to someone on your team that if you don't check them on it, that they're just going to think they can do whatever they want? At that That's point, how I feel as well. Even then, it's like, I still feel, I don't feel great about it, but oh, I do. at least then I feel like there's a reason <laughs> that's explainable. This is just literally, he got in your feelings. Mercedes got in your feelings. You you were like, eh, we're going to lose this game anyway. Isn't it kind of disrespectful to the game to be like, we don't really care what happens. Let's just throw anybody out on the mound and see what happens. But then to get your feelings hurt about it afterwards is so stupid. Exactly. And especially, yeah, you're, you're right. Because it's not like position player because we're running out of pitchers. It's a strategic thing. Like, yeah, we want to save our pitchers yeah. for the next day. We are forfeiting this game. And also, we're putting in a pitcher who cares so little about it that he's lobbing up 46-mile-an-hour pitches. Like, he's not... I mean, maybe that's his strategy for him trying to do well. But if that is, then you should try and hit a home run off him. Also... You want people, especially a young player like Mercedes, to just take a strikeout when he could add another hit or a home run to his contract discussion that will be coming up next year? No! Of course he's going to hit a tank. If you're going to throw out a guy who's not a pitcher, then expect people to tee off on him. This is the stupidest thing. We had this same discussion last year when Tatis went yard on a 3-0 pitch in a blowout. Like, guess what? You just it's all re- it's automatically okay that Finish he that he does it on a yeah. 3-1 count. There's no difference. This is the stupidest thing of all time. This what? is the dumbest argument. Yeah. Well, cuz Tony LaRusa is a stinking scumbag for not protecting his player for yeah. saying, "Yeah, he should get thrown out." Meanwhile, LaRusa is like just a sleaze ball for a variety of a reasons. A variety of this reasons. This being one oh of Oh my them. gosh, he should be fired now. But if LaRusa had just And if I was any one of the players on that team, yeah. I wouldn't listen to a dang thing he says yeah. for the rest of the time he's there. I would I wouldn't even acknowledge his existence. If he spoke to me, I would walk by without acknowledging that voices came out of his mouth. This is the stupidest thing of all time. He advocated his own player getting thrown at. Yeah. Do you know how And then condoned it. And then, and then condoned, condoned it afterwards. It. This is the yeah. stupidest thing. I can't... Just talking about it has gotten me all riled up because yeah. he should go in and get beamed in the head. Right. If he's well, going to condone somebody throwing and, out his own guy. And right now, guys are getting hit in the face at a record pace. Yeah. This because... Season. Because pitchers are throwing harder, and guess what? When you're just maximizing your velocity and all this mm-hmm. stuff, some people aren't going to be able to control that as much. Yeah. And Plus, be- there's less time to react to it. Yeah. Yes. I think it's- if Larusa had just, in the post-game interview, had said, you know, it was a 3-0 count, I gave him a take sign, I really wish he hadn't done that. And then we could all just move on. But he didn't. He said, it was a 3-0 count. I gave him a take sign. He made a mistake. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Starts ranting against his own player. And to, f- for me, I'm, I'm looking at that going, okay, well, end of the game. You're trying to make the game end. Is getting your guys to take a pitch really the best and most respectful thing to do to no. the opponent anyway? Because then if, you're, if the guy's struggling with control, 
You just want the bases to be white. Like, that's the worst thing. You want to walk. You want to get guys, more guys on base. The only hope at that point for the game to end is for your guys to swing the bats and put the ball in place so they can get out. So exactly. even the strategy of it, trying to be respectful, seems stupid to me. Exactly. That unwritten rule is the dumbest unwritten rule of all time. I can't think of another one. Somebody once brought up how, like, A-Rod ran across the back of a mound, and apparently that's an unwritten rule. Oh, like you a, can't do that. That's disrespectful. That's also really dumb, but <laughs> I have never heard of that. Like, that was somebody, I feel like, just wanting to get mad at A-Rod because A-Rod was a dirty, sleazing, cheating dickhead. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Daniel's really dumb. That's how you really feel. Can we bleep that out later? I know we don't really do any post-production anymore. I've got a but beep. I've got a beep somewhere. I can yeah, find it. well, you'll have to write down whatever time that was on that. Anyway... <laughs> I didn't actually curse. I don't know. I'm anyway, not, I'm not gonna bleep I it. I feel I'm just like he's tell gonna bleep you it. it. He's gonna bleep it, and then nobody's gonna know what the actual word exactly, you said that's was. What I was thinking so about people's imagination is just gonna run, run wild. wild. I'm, I'm, I think I'm not actually gonna bleep it. I'm just gonna tell you I bleeped it because <laughs> yeah. we okay. know you don't listen. So. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Good point. So I feel like that one. If that's actually something that's going to tick people off, that one's stupid. But not swinging 3-0 in a blowout is the dumbest thing of all time. Because as you mentioned, it goes against what you're actually trying to do, which is just end the game. Mm-hmm. And B, you're up there to hit. Hit. these. This is what you're getting paid to do. And you get paid more depending on what happens in that at bat. Did you say one and then B? I don't know what I said. Oh, okay. I might have. You're pretty worked up. I'm, I'm so worked part up. Of the third. I honestly think that Larusa. <laughs> I if I was one of his players, I, I'd basically blackball him from my life, and yeah. I would say, all right, you go get hit by a hundred mile an hour fastball because that's what everybody's throwing these days. <sighs> so we can basically put this Russell Wilson story to bed, right? I think I'm, so. We don't need to read the whole report from Fowler, but basically what he's saying is. Russell was really happy with the Seattle, the moves that Seattle made to get an extra lineman and Gabe Jackson in and get Gerald Everett. He was really happy with the Dwayne Eskridge, the receiver that they drafted um, in the second round of the draft, and that there was an open line of communication between him and Pete Carroll and that everything's fine now. An even more feasible scenario is he really wasn't that mad in the first place. Most of this was overblown and contrived, and everything was actually fine the whole time. Oh, yeah, of course. Andrew? I, I don't think we need to worry about it until next offseason when there will be another controversy surrounding Russell Wilson and everyone nationally will be talking about it and then it will get resolved magically before the beginning of the next season because okay. the whole point is to make sure everyone remembers that Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the league. I like it. I, I mean, that's a solid conspiracy theory because I'm not sure if it's a conspiracy theory. I think that is exactly <laughs> what Russell and his agent and his camp were delegation or whatever you want to call it is crew. about crew entourage entourage isn't he a big fan of that show i think he likes that he show a, it, yeah, it, yeah. it's an entourage okay totally <laughs> yeah i'm about that that makes sense what was the other question uh, there in some day well there was a blazers oh question, yeah the bla- and you I, said the strong bad said the blazers in three which would be yeah. impressive because it's a seven game series <laughs> so <laughs> So re- I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to disagree with Strong Bet on this one again. Realistically speaking, <laughs> there it's it's easy to look at this and go, oh, speaking the- of contrived controversy, <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to look at this and go, oh, well, the Blazers just went and stole one in Denver. I mean, clearly they're the better team. I'd- There's some things that happened in Game One that I think are very unlikely to repeat. Uh, like for example, Nikola Jokic only had one assist. 
and he's generally been up more in like the eight or eight or nine assist range. Um, and then the other thing was uh, Michael Porter Jr., who by percentage is one of the best. I think he's the seventh best or something like that. Um, three-point shooter in the league. He was one for ten. So I, there's a couple things. <laughs> Suck it, Porter Jr. Yeah. Sorry. So I think <laughs> I think it's likely that I still think the Blazers are going to win, and I think they're the better team as currently constructed and with as healthy as they are, knowing that Denver doesn't have Jamal Murray. I think the Blazers are better, and I think they're going to win, but I think it's going to be a long series, probably go six or seven, and uh, Portland comes out on top. I, I really hope that that's the case because – I think that they have tried to build a team to do a, a to have a long run this year and I feel like that this is a season where they could get out of the Western Conference Finals mm-hmm. because there isn't that super team that's hitting on all cylinders at the moment. I mean, if the Lakers just start going on a crazy run and LeBron and Anthony Davis are all like, oh, I'm so healthy now, and then they just start murdering people. but It's going to be tough sledding for the Lakers, though, because they've been very injured. Not even just LeBron and AD, but also Schroeder missed a significant amount of time. Um, I think the idea that all of those guys are just going to come back together and there's going to be instant chemistry and everyone's going to be completely healthy and healed is probably not likely. So... I think the further they get into the playoffs, assuming they advance past the, th- the first round, the Lakers will get stronger. But it could be a tough go of things early. <laughs> Whose stomach was that? Was that? that was my stomach. stomach. Oh. Holy cow, that, that was, was loud. so loud. Sorry. <laughs> Are you okay? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Well, um, there is a little bit of Blazers in Stump Daniel as well. Oh my gosh. Serving questions up on a silver platter where the points are made up and the rules don't matter. Time for Stump Daniel. Yeah, it is. So Quick strong, on the trigger there. Strong Bad helped <laughs> me come up with a uh, Blazers playoff edition of Stump Daniel. And you know what, Daniel? There's only three questions, and I did that thing that you love when I do and is give you multiple choice. I love multiple choice. But with multiple choice... If you don't get them all right, you kind of suck. Oh. So you sort of need to get all three of them to end up in the beaver zone. <laughs> the beaver zone. The beaver zone. The beaver zone. So oh, was... we're all wearing team-related shirts today. Well done. Usually I am the only one who's not, so really I'm just giving myself <laughs> kudos. I'm just wearing a hashtag swag shirt. Yeah, but you know the colors of that. Yeah. What okay. kind of swag is that? Hashtag swag. Oh, okay. So it was very Sounds well <laughs> publicized that Damian Lillard had an excellent game in game one. Um, he had 34 points and 13 assists and just played extremely well. In the beginning of the game, he was getting instantly doubled immediately, and he turned that into seven first quarter assists. Yeah. And that kind of freed some things up throughout the rest of the game for him, but he had an excellent game. And that's the that's the changes they needed. They needed to find people who could score yeah. when he was being double teamed. Well, I think that they're working into they've switched to an eight man rotation and they've cut a couple of guys out of it. And I think there's some parts that they get hurt a little bit by doing that because yeah. Derek Jones Jr. and Nasir Little are the guys who have been cut out, and they were the guys that would provide better perimeter defense. Yeah, that and and that has hurt him a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, that those two guys aren't getting any run anymore. But those are also two guys who were not consistent scoring threats. So, like, basically everybody who's on the floor at any given moment 
is a scoring threat. And even if it's on second chance points like Ennis Cantor. <laughs> but uh, this the 13 assists that Damian Lillard had, here's question one. His 13 assists in the Blazers' Game 1 win over the Denver Nuggets on Saturday was a new playoff career high for Dame. It also was the most assists in a playoff game by any Blazer since 1999. Daniel, which Blazer recorded 13 assists in a playoff game in 1999? I'm going to give you your options here. Is it A, Bonzi Wells? B, Damon Stoudemire? C, Greg Anthony? D, Rashid Wallace, or E, huh? Arvidas Sabonis. Oh, there's a couple of good ones in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with the one who I was thinking it was before you then gave me the multiple choices because I forgot that I had multiple choice. Mm-hmm. But I, the guy I was going to say was Damon Stoudemire. That is correct. Yes. It was Damon Stoudemire. Greg Anthony would have also been a good guess, but he was more of a... Sixth man point guard off yeah. the bench at that point in his career. I forgot that he played for the Blazers at that point. I wondered if I was gonna go with I was the the wild card was you adding Sabonis yeah, in there. Yeah, that was the one I was thinking I might be able to get you because Sabonis dude, was a center with guard skills. He was like the Jokic of his time. Yeah, although at that point in time he was super old. So right. I loved when Sabonis would shoot threes when he played for the Blazers because yes. they were like a laser beam. He, he was like he was shooting down at the basket that's from the three-point line. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Okay, here's question number two. What percentage of the Blazers' scoring did Dame account for between points and assists in Saturday's 123-109 to win? Was it A, 50%, B, 52%, C, 54%, or D, 56%. Daniel's doing math in his head right now, and he looks like his brain is... Okay, so he scored 34 points, and he had 13 assists. Yeah. (laughs) Daniel's trying to... He's trying to multiply 13 by 2, and then add that number to 34. No, that part was quick, but then I was trying to add a couple of three-pointers in there. Okay. So we shouldn't be saying numbers, like yeah, 45 right. should, or 12. I, like 12, 16, So 21. he has probably about 64 <laughs> points, 64, we'll go up to, so it was 123. Yep. So I'm going to say, 50, what was the options again? It was A, 50, B, 52, C, 54, or D, 56. I'm going to say 52%. I'm sorry, that's wrong. Is it 54? It is C, 54%. He's responsible for 54% of the Blazers' points. And here's why. I'm about to tell you why. The Blazers were 19 out of 40 as a team on three-pointers in this game, which is 47.5%. Wow. They are a really good three-point shooting team, but that was great even by their standard. Here's your question. Which two Blazers each hit four three-pointers on Saturday? Was it A, Dame and CJ, B, CJ and Mello, C, Mello and Simons, D, Simons and CJ, or E, CJ and Robert Covington? (laughs) There's a lot of names in there. This is such a stupid question. Yeah. Would you like me to run through them again? There were two Blazers that hit four three-pointers in the game. Four specifically or four Four specifically. Did somebody hit more than that? 
that might give it away if I tell you that. Have a biscuit maker. <laughs> you already cursed. You might as well just let it rip. <laughs> I'm gonna Wait, go. Wait, hold on. I think I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, give me the answers that had uh, Anfernee in them. Okay, Mello and Simons, Simons and CJ. I'm gonna go with Simons and CJ. Ooh, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. The answer was Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> Car sorry, <laughs> Carmelo Anthony and Anfernee Simons. Mello was four for, Mello was four for eight. Simons was four for five. Dame hit five. I feel like I should have a, a half point on that question. I knew Simons was watching. <laughs> Dame hit five three pointers. CJ had three, and Robert Covington had two. So you're one for three. Yeah. You failed. There's no zone for what you just did here. Well, it might be the Mariners' it's zone because the batting average is <laughs> the stumped zone. <laughs> you're in the stumped zone. I don't like that zone. You lose. <laughs> Although that zone is what would happen if a beaver had anything to do with it. Because it would create a stump. That oh sounds God. problem problematic. <laughs> oh, dear God. I, I, you I, are really getting ahead of yourself on the dad jokes here, Daniel. <laughs> I've been, I've been uh, on fire so far today with those yeah. behind the scenes. I'm really good at dad jokes. I'm really good at them. How good are you? <laughs> Sorry. So good. <laughs> We should never have told him to bleep anything. <laughs> <laughs> throwing the bleep sound in randomly throughout the show. The the problem is I found a website to do it, but it's delayed, which is why I haven't been able to actually nail it on, on when Daniel says something. So Great. <laughs> All right. So what's next here on the show sheet? Did I tell you guys about how I almost got in a fight at the grocery store the other day? I, no. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Okay, so okay. I was and in the cold section, I was Is kind this of just going to be a dad joke. No, 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 it's a real story. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was in the cold section, okay. and I was like just minding my own business, and all of a sudden, this guy just starts going crazy, and he starts chucking stuff at me. He throws shredded cheese at me, and he throws uh. pepperonis at me, and then he grabs this big ball of dough and he throws it at me, and I said, "You want a pizza, me?" <laughs> I'm so happy. Story. I'm so happy. That really happened. A pizza me. <laughs> oh. That's all I got. That was great. <laughs> I feel a little bad that I called that at the beginning of you it. You shouldn't but feel also bad I at all. I feel excited. <sighs> because it was so out of nowhere. Yeah, it's not a so, speaking of things that fall flat on their face out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Mariners' expectations and plate appearances. Let's go. Let's talk about it. Because, you know, nobody else would this week until after somebody else said something. That was very vague. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like nobody besides the three of us knows what the heck nope. is going on right okay, now. Okay, so let me tell you a story of something that did actually happen without pizza involved or a dad joke. Okay, so earlier this week, Andrew had the bright idea of looking up the plate appearances total of the Seattle Mariners and how they now they compare to the rest of the league. And when we say plate appearances in total, we mean co career plate appearances for the people on the Mariners playing this year to show major league plate yes, appearances. Yeah, yes, to show their lack of experience, pretty yeah. much. And it, the context for this is the Mariners 
suck. Have not been hitting well. <laughs> That's a nice way to say and it. And neither has the rest of the league. That's also true. And so when everyone is talking, the Mariners I don't, are the worst of the bad. Are the Mariners the worst of the bad? Yes. Okay. I just looked that up. Earlier, recently. earlier this week, I think there was another team that was like worse. Somebody said, uh, but uh, somebody was wrong. Cause really? I do okay. imagine that they okay. were hitting 199 last I checked. Youch. Anyways, the point being, the Mariners are the worst of the worst, yeah. and they've been no hit twice, and there are a lot of people who are starting to panic. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because it's not just people starting to panic, but it's also people saying things like, oh, this is embarrassing. The Mariners are so bad. How could you, how could this possibly be happening? And I think people who pay a little bit more attention understand this without needing this explained in this way. But Andrew was pretty much like, hey, let's look at the plate appearances and see why this is actually happening. And it... It makes a lot of sense because this is a team that is so much younger than everybody. And for some reason, I don't know why people got so excited thinking that this was the year to compete with. Like, for some reason, I feel like we started hearing that. Maybe it was just because they had a decent start and so many people got excited again. That start was the worst thing that could have happened. Is it leftover from before last year when they were saying 2022 was the target? Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's 2022 is the target. This is 2021. But, but 2020 set the target back somewhat, right? Like there's that, – Oh, that's a good point. did. That's a good point because that's, that's another thing is yes. So I think, I think at least some did. of that is that if we, there would have been a normal season last year, this year would have been the year to start seeing excitement. That makes sense. To, I think. That makes sense. Yeah, that's understandable. But um, it's not understandable to pretend like last year wasn't a complete – ridiculous like time suck for like all of the young players that should have been gaining experience and the thing is is when you look at it uh justin if you could bring up that picture that i sent you because i forgot to yeah you know bring that paper with me of all of the grinding i did with numbers and things because i didn't have the well, actually, I, I wrote them all down, and then I added them all together, and I went with the averages, and it, the the results of what you had me do was kind of staggering, because we looked at the combined plate appearances for all the people who have played on the Mariners roster this year, and this is before they just had a rash of more call-ups and more people with less plate appearances. Now it would be even worse. But you look at them, what I do have right in front of me is how... Um, or actually, Justin, can you? I compared them with four, three other teams. Yeah, I've got Mariners, Angels, Cubs, and White Sox. So the Angels were in the division and had just a little bit of a worse record at the time. That's why I did with them. The Cubs had, I think, the same record at the time of doing it. And the White Sox are also considered a young, up and coming team. Like, that's what they're known as, as a young, up and coming team. Now, can you read the average plate appearances for those? Can you see what those are? Yeah, yeah. So for the Mariners, average plate appearances per player, that's what it is, right? Yep. Is 7.38. For the Astros, it's 1,413. Almost so double. Almost double. That's the 2015 Astros? No. Oh, this okay. Is just, to this year's? That okay. was for the Angels? Yeah. Oh, for the Angels. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. It looks like you had it as Angels and switched it to Indians. Okay. 
So I the, think that I think the angels. I can't remember what the something was there that was skewing it weird. Maybe no, I remember what it was. They've had a ton of injuries, so they had too so many. Players. They had so many players that I was like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Okay. So the Indians <laughs> are one thousand four hundred and thirteen average, and the Cubs are two thousand and seventy seven average. Wow. Um, the White Sox, who you mentioned, are considered a very young team, are an average of one thousand five hundred and ninety two plate appearances. So. More than double what the Mariners are yeah. have averaged. And that's a young team. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And that's with Kyle Seeger having a massive amount of plate appearances. He has over 5,000. I want to say he has around 5,500. Um, and you could probably find that number on there. It's the 5,000 number there under 5,711. The yeah. And that's a ton. Like on any team. There's it's, a lot of it's 44, rare. 26, yeah. 95, 99. There's almost no guys that have more than 200. There's very few. So anyway, I brought this up with after Andrew sent me on this chase to find out what these were compared of. And so I called in on Paul Gallant's show on 710. These notes are troubling. Like this looks like... The scrawlings of a madman. <laughs> or, or a four-year-old. <laughs> I know, it's a little... Sorry, a little carry troubling. on. I just uh, had, like, that hit me all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, is Daniel okay? You, I think you had that... <laughs> I think that hit you while I was doing yeah, it, because you, you asked me if I was okay. It also looks like something that I would have done yeah. at some point. So I called in, and I brought up the plate appearances, and I was like, I don't know why... Because I've listened to sports talk shows. I know that usually when they take a call, they don't go, oh, interesting point. Why don't you expand on this? But I, for some reason, was expecting that. And so <laughs> basically it was just like, ah, plate appearances. They have to actually show something that, you know, plate appearance. I, I shouldn't be imitating Paul that way. He doesn't sound like a, a jerkwad like that. He sounds like me. So I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it actually kind of sounds like this. <laughs> so... Paul pretty much went, yeah, but you have to be excited about the people who still need plate appearances. And that kind of caught me off guard because what that's why was, they're not showing anything exciting because they don't have any experience. So they're not going to have the numbers that you want to see. What he said was, okay, but of these guys, who are you buying stock in? Yeah. Yeah. So which of the guys Well, they got rid of that catcher. Yeah, they got who rid I of Who I blame for Gilbert's... Two of Gilbert's runs in his first so, outing. So anyway, he kind of just shooed that away and didn't give me much of a time to actually go with anything. So then the next day, Jerry DePoto brings up that, hey, <laughs> for a player to actually be ready to go, it's like three to 300 to 1,000 plate appearances. That's like you need to at least get to 300, and we would like them to be to 1,000 plate appearances. In the major leagues before they're like, yeah, these guys are like here, ready to go, solid veteran players. And the Mariners have five of those maybe? They have, well. Five at over 300. At over 300. Yeah. And that's barely. They've got like two at 500 and like J.P. Crawford just cracked over 1,000. Mitch Hanniger has over 1,000. And then Kyle Seeger also with five, you know, 5,000. But it is crazy how inexperienced this team is. So then the next day, I was getting ready to call in again to Paul Gallant because the next day they talked to DePoto, he mentions that, and then all of a sudden everybody's going on this big old plate appearance thing that I tried to bring up the next day, the previous day, and somebody references some writer dude on Twitter that's like, oh yeah, here's all the things that I was trying to say before. Basically, I should have tweeted them out apparently, I don't know, but... 
and they start talking about plate appearances. And I'm like, yeah. So I call in again, and this time I went right into Paul's wheelhouse because he was in Houston during the time of the Astros rebuild. And so I looked at the 2015 Astros. That's two years before they won the World Series. And if people are all freaked out that this Mariners team isn't like fighting for the playoffs this year, uh, the Astros two years before they won the World Series went 84 and 78, I think. That adds up, right, to 162? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they, <laughs> they barely cracked over 500, and that really young team that didn't even have some of their, like, all-star guys who helped them win the World Series had an average of 1,018 plate appearances per player. So over 300 more. Well, actually, that was entering the season. And so the Mariners had 584 entering this season of an average. So, again, almost double again. And that was a super young team in the process. I think what we're seeing with this is, is because of last year in 2020 being a big factor in this, the the timeline's been set back another year and we can't be, we can't be panicking about it right now. I guess I did a terrible job of wrapping that whole thing up because that took a long time. I feel like that took a long time. I think what's, what is my biggest question out of all this after seeing you you comparing this Mariners team to like basically every other team that we could think of that hey this is an inexperienced team you even went back to that Astros team during their rebuild yeah should the Mariners have gone and gotten like a couple of decent veteran bats to help fill out the lineup so these guys wouldn't be thrust into these situations wherein they fail i i think maybe one maybe one or two it's not to try to but, be competitive but that's the the other thing is you want these guys to get those at bats yeah but are they ready for them or should they be playing in AAA? And, and that's the other thing is you want them to get there at bats, but there's some people who probably should be working some more things out before they start getting those. And I think some of those guys are getting thrust into it, and that might be a problem. I think that was Evan White last year. Mm-hmm. I think Evan White should have not been brought up last year. And then not at the beginning of this year. Like, he probably should be coming up at now at the point where Kelnick is coming up. And that's another that's a worrying thing for me, but I'll, I'll save that for a second. Um, but yeah, I think they could have used another veteran bat to kind of stave off some of the growing pains for these people. But the thing is, is they need to just gather experience and they have a ton of people who need to do that. And you can't gather major league at bats without being in the major leagues. So I think I have a couple of main thoughts about this. One is that I didn't know all these numbers about plate appearances. I knew that the Mariners were extremely inexperienced, but I think it's safe to say that like people who were paying attention and knew and understood what was going on, that them struggling, the Mariners struggling, especially to hit the ball, is not only understandable, it should have been predictable. Yes. And that the worst thing that could have possibly happened to this team was for them to get off to a good start because then people had expectations. Yeah. And there should be zero expectations on this team this year. So people need to calm down. Also, I firmly believe and strongly believe that the Seattle Mariners are going to botch this rebuild and they're going to suck. I don't like you right now. Which is what I was getting at with the whole... Are they thrusting these guys into these situations? Because I don't know the answer, but I'm afraid. I'm a, I'm a Mariners fan who has a fear of so them you, screwing everything up. So you're worried, because there's two different slight opinions here. You're yeah. worried that they're going to mess up these players. I'm going to worry. And that Paul they- Gallant is worrying that these players aren't, like, they're, they're not the material. They're, they're not, not the good material. Enough. Yeah, because what they're showing now, there's nothing to be excited about them yeah. gaining experience. I and s- that was, I, I ended up calling and we actually have. Do you want to play that audio? I mean, I think now's as okay. good a time as ever before we tackle Justin's horrifying statement. Okay, I, 
Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Playing here. This is Daniel Hargrove That's with uh, on the, the Paul Gallant Show. Daniel's in Aberdeen. Daniel, what's going on? Uh, not much, man. Jeez, you talk about plate appearances now after you kind of blew me off yesterday? Well, I, I still feel the same way, Nate. Or, excuse me, Nate? Daniel. I, I still feel the same way. I, I, I feel like you look at some of these players... Are more plate appearances going to make you feel better about the Evan Whites of the world? Like, do you really feel like we have seen not enough out of Evan White where with extended plate appearances this is going to change? Because I think on, on, to I, some degree that you have a point, but I, I, I don't know that we can just sit back and say, all right, well, just, just give them time. Just, just sit back and not touch the garden. Dude, I, I totally I get what you're saying there, but, you know, I was really curious because you talk about watching the Astros rebuild a bunch, so I went back and looked at the 2015 Astros, and they were well ahead um, when it comes to plate appearances, but also you saw a bunch of players in that rebuild who hadn't cracked the surface yet. And so I think that patience and time is going to be what they need to do here because you didn't. You saw Carlos Correa just come up in the 2015 right. season. Bregman wasn't up yet. Like There was a bunch of guys that weren't there yet, and I think the Mariners are – about that 2015 area of process, maybe a little a year before that, but that was a, an Astros team that went just over 500, and I think the Mariners are right around that area. Maybe next year will be that spot, but I think patience is the way to go because the farm system is there. Now they just need the experience, and last year stunted the growth significantly. Daniel, the patience approach is, is probably the correct one, even though I, I wonder with some of these guys. How do you sell that? How do you sell a frustrated fan base on that patience? You, uh, you don't. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst part about this. You know, yeah. that's 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 the frustrating part. Uh, appreciate the phone call. I did. Uh, I'm sorry if I came across as as blowing off that plate appearance thing oh, yesterday. It feels real bad. I, I just <laughs> there is a part of me that wonders if the extended plate appearances are actually going to get more out of these guys. Appreciate the phone call from Daniel. Let's go two zero six four two one three seven seven six on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. And, and that's the thing is if you're saying that you don't, you can't tell, you can't tell what the plate appearances are going to do or what the player is going to do before they start to hit that threshold. Not everybody's going to be, it's rare to have a Kyle Lewis that starts to succeed before those playoff plate appearances. This is some, that's why he was the rookie of the year. Normal rookies don't show any of that. And in a year when the entire league is getting dominated, it's just going to make rookies even look even worse. So, yeah, I, I don't think the Evan Whites of the world, as he said, are at a point yet where you can start to be like, this is who Evan White is. He just now has 306 plate appearances. I don't think Evan White is a career 165 hitter. He just went through his first section of massive growing pains. You can't judge Evan White on his first 300 play, plate appearances in the in the show. It's stupid. I I also you might have already. I'm sorry. I just got back from trying to print Daniel's stuff. Uh, <laughs> the listeners I know too because they really, heard you running up and down the stairs. Sorry. <laughs> I think it's really important that we include the context of this season in the Major League Baseball. Yeah, which. There's only one season ever that the league-wide batting average has been lower, and that was 1968. Was that the year of the pitcher where they... Actually, it was the same. 
That was the it. It wasn't lower. It was just the same. I don't know what year that was. I just sorted by batting average. That that probably was the, entire the year of the pitcher where they ended up lowering the mound after that league. Yeah, after that year, there were only twenty teams playing at that time. Time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This this is th- this year. If if you were gonna pick a year to be bad at batting, this year you're gonna be the worst ever at batting. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, that's true. But also, if you're in the worst year of batting and you're the worst hitting team, isn't that like additionally bad? No, no, not not if, when not you look at you the players. Look at you why have. you're bad? You, we knew young players are going to be worse at batting, right? Like they're they're young, so we expect them to be worse at batting. And then all of a sudden, worse at batting means worse than the worst year ever. Yeah, because if you're the if you're the youngest and worst in L. In the worst year, then it's just going to be the worst ever. So, Daniel, you mentioned a couple guys when you were comparing to the 2015 Astros that weren't up yet. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of what I'm wondering is, like, when the Astros did their rebuild, they may not have rushed guys up the same way. Like, they have you, they had more plate appearances in their lineup, which means they had more veteran bats in the lineup, and they were developing their guys in the minor leagues. So are there guys on the Mariners roster right now that rather than getting their MLB plate appearances in should be back in the minors. And that that's what I'm concerned well, about. And that, this is 100% because I feel like I've been beaten down by the Mariners for the last 20 years. Yes. And you have. Yeah. And we both so, have. So my strong feeling, no matter what, is like sometimes I get a little ray of sunshine, but more often I feel like they're going to find a way to screw this up. Yeah. And that's interesting. So they Correa, that was his rookie year. Okay. Was 2015. Um, so he did not have, again, in that study that I did, study, make that sound all smart. Um, he had zero plate appearances going that into that education year. But that education was his, That was his rookie season. Bregman, I think, was brought up in 2016. I'm not actually positive on okay. that. If you want to, I'll go look it up. But so what I would see those two as is Kelnick's like Correa. Okay. And then you're hoping Julio Rodriguez is like Bregman. Okay. And so you're that's what you're hoping. You're hoping that you're starting to see those young stars now and you're, you still have some that haven't even got up there yet because you're still in that part of the rebuild. The people who, I don't know, Will Taylor Trammell, now that he's gone back down to AAA and just been hitting dingers left and right, like, it's been insane. He went back down to AAA, first day, hit home run, next day, hit home run. Like, he's just been on an absolute tear since being sent back down. Jared Kelnick, I was really worried about his start. But then I heard that Mike Trout got sent down twice when he started his big league career. And that gave me a lot of encouragement. I'm like, wow, if the best player in the league right now and one of the greatest of all time didn't stick in the pros his first time up, that gives me a little bit of hope that, okay, even if Kelnick needs to get sent back down, that shouldn't be the end of the world for all of us, like, hoping that this works out for him. So you're still feeling general optimism about where we are in the rebuild? I am. I I am. I think that... We are a year earlier than we want to be. And I think that the 2020 season has a big part of that because there is a lot of young players that had their rookie seasons last year. But instead of getting five to 600 at-bats in that rookie season, they got like 200. Mm-hmm. And Evan White being one of those. 
So, I hope with you. Yeah, and Kelnick, Kelnick, pro, Kelnick, and Tramel probably would have gotten a hundred. 150 200 plate appearances if they had a full season last year because they would have been called up at the end of the year probably right and so what is is a normal year of plate appearances what like 600 uh let's see i mean just because i have bregman pulled up here he had 705 in 2018 but he also had 626 in 2007 we're in like the six to seven range depending on where you bat in the lineup and how often you play yeah so yeah that's pretty significant cut on their development and being able to yeah. get those and his, appearances and I, his rookie season in 2016 so it was that year after sure. that i mentioned he had 217 plate appearances so he came up the last third of the season mm-hmm. gained that experience and then they won the world series the next year yeah and I, i'm fully willing to admit that there's a strong chance that i'm wrong because i'm not a baseball expert or an expert in baseball rebuilds but my fear my concern is that too many of these young guys have been brought up too early at the same time. And the fact that they're not performing is going to, you know, we, we've talked about like how baseball, like losing and winning culture is important. I don't want it to start to feel normal for these guys that not only can you not hit, but nobody around you can hit. Um, I just, I feel like sometimes it can benefit you, even if you're not trying to win immediately, bring in like one or two veteran bats that you could plug in the lineup that will be okay. I, that I way agree. you can develop those guys slower at a lower level. I think they should have had at least one of those veteran bats. I think that they had too high of an expectation on Evan White. And I think that they started that last year, and then they continued that this year. I think they needed a first baseman DH type of player to eat innings, take it bats, hit 250. You know, there's plenty of free agents out there like that, or there was plenty of free agents out there like that that weren't getting the market they wanted because MLB has gone really young, and I think that they should have done that for these situations because now you need to send Evan White down. You need to do some of these different things. Well, instead of inserting a veteran to take those at-bats, then you're calling up somebody else who's probably mm-hmm. not ready. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think they needed at least one of those guys, if not two. All right, what's next? What do we got? Well, we are going to I was have... looking at the, I was trying to look up the Mariners. Yeah, that's and okay. We're really right quick, really yeah. quick. Can I continue that a little bit because you guys are saying like some veteran bats that would be better? Uh would like not but not better. That's not the point. Uh, that would be able to hit. That would be able to fill a spot. Fill a spot. Like they don't I I mean they're going to be better because they're just veteran bats. Okay, so you're not But they need somebody who can fill a spot who they're not then stunting the growth of somebody else who shouldn't be up yet. Okay, I got you. Never mind. I understand then. I was just going to say, I mean, they, they've, got, they've got several guys that are batting above average in the league. So Several, like... Three? Three. Uh, J.P. Crawford, uh, Mitch Haniger, and Kyle... Nope, Kyle Seager's, Seager's below. just below. Yeah. So... I wouldn't Ty call Fr- that... Uh, Ty France is... Two two nine wasn't that the league average or is it two three nine? I think two two nine might be the league average. Right I now, don't know. I've it. been seeing a lot of stat lines. I'd say the league average is like one ninety eight right now. That yeah, makes sense. Though. You're saying you're <laughs> not saying that they need better batters around them. You're there's you're saying that it would have been nice if they didn't have to play so many young guys at the same time. Yeah, well, because okay. like if they had the, s- the team plate appearances are in the basement. So like there to me there's. There's a reason why you can't find other teams that have that low of a plate appearance because when teams have that kind of inexperience, 
they go out and get someone who has more experience to fill that hole while yeah. you develop those other guys. A- sure. Exactly. And I, I'm with you on that. And I think that that is a big issue is now instead of, okay, we need to give Evan White some time down at the minors. Let's just let this veteran we have play. Instead, it's bring up somebody else who has zero plate appearances. You know, it, it just makes it tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do have a few other things that we're going to talk about. We've got we do? local sports. We've got but I spend hours on this. We've got me. we've got my power ranking of the week, week which is going to be fast food restaurants, Ooh. and uh, we're also going to do some mailbag. But first, let's take a quick break. Ah. Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. And as I started watching the Mariners to see what the stats were going, they gave up a run, and now they're down 2-1. to one. Why would you do that? I ruined it. Well, yeah. <laughs> ruined it. There's really no point in watching them right now anyway because they're not going to win, so who cares? Um, I thought that we would do something to try to engage people that might be kind of fun, so I'm going to start like weekly going on and posting a bunch of polls on our Twitter page that relate to that week's show, and then the following week we'll review it because then – People can give us a voice about whether they think we were right or wrong about things, okay? What? I'm sorry. So the Mariners only have one run right now. And their their one RBI was their pitcher. Oh. Justin Dunn hit a double to deep right. That's nice. their one RBI. What's so, his batting uh, average now? I mean, probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah, one, Justin. 100? Justin Dunn is sitting 333. Wow. I mean, get him in the lineup. He's our new DH, right? <laughs> My gosh. I'm sorry. Anyway. Shohei Otani up in here. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to go ahead and, and give you some feedback that we got from our listeners on yes. Twitter. Okay. So Let's first of all, last week's power ranking of breakfast cereals that I did did not receive a very warm response. Good. I had three different kinds of Cheerios <laughs> in my top five. People generally thought I was wrong. Um, Sean O'Neill thought that um, Lucky Charms is the goat, and I didn't have them on my list, and he was upset. And then I also got <laughs> a response from Clarence on Twitter that said, no cocoa or fruity pebbles, you, sir, have failed. And then an X mark. Um, so I, I wasn't feeling like people liked my power rankings. I'll do better this week. Well, okay? you had three different kinds of Cheerios on there. Results, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, results of the polls. First poll, is watering down Gatorade something only old people do? <laughs> well, 60% of our listeners said yes. 67% of our listeners said yes. Do you water down your Gatorade? 78% of our listeners said no. They do not water down. Oh, really? So we have a young audience. Yeah. Well, Good. or we're just, I'm just weird. And <laughs> you admitted you do that. I do it too, yeah. Okay. Andrew does it as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, here, here's the one that got the most responses on it. Which of the major sports has a bigger crisis? Baseball with the three true outcomes and the boring nature of the game. Basketball with too much offense and too many threes. Or football with too much offense and passing being too easy. 51% of people said baseball. 45% of people said basketball. Only 4% of people said football. But we did get comments 
supporting baseball. Like we had several people say, well, what do you mean baseball's boring? What do you mean three true outcomes? I've never heard of that before. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So these, these people just, that don't watch baseball, these, these yeah. are baseball people. All of them. Well, so, what? Yeah. How can you be a baseball person and have not heard that debate or the three two out, true outcomes? You, well, they, I'm sorry. No, you can't be a baseball person. They know now. Good. Okay. Who? Wait. I'm sorry. Am I? Am I'm not I, calling am, anybody out. On am that. I? Am I wrong for wanting to call somebody out? They haven't heard of the three true outcome thing. I'm not a baseball person, it's so me. I don't know. But I've heard of three true outcomes. So okay. I don't want to call anybody out. But <laughs> we won't call them out. We it's Nick Chapman. Out. Okay. So <laughs> the next poll. Should DK Metcalf feel good about finishing 15th out of 17 runners? 91% of the audience said yes. Is today's NBA soft? 86% of the audience said yes. Yep. Will Tim Tebow suit up for a game this season? <laughs> Daniel, this is a big one for you. Yep. 57% of the audience said no. No. Can frosted mini-wheats thrash the roof of your mouth, which is something Daniel said. Um, actually, Daniel, you got a lot of support on this one. 83% of the audience said yes. That wasn't 100? No. That's... no. 17% of people said no. <laughs> their, the roofs of their mouths are amazing. Uh, would all fruit juice have pulp or grains in it if you didn't filter it out? This was another thing Daniel said. 67% of the audience said yes. Yes. Andrew, you're wrong. <laughs> okay, here's the next two are really big. Okay. Okay. Orange juice, pulp or no pulp. This was the thing that got Ooh. Daniel so mad last week. And this was so angry. Wait, it didn't. That wasn't what got me mad. Anyway, go on. Move on. <laughs> excited. It got that you led, excited. That led to me getting mad. Okay. But that, just that question alone. Didn't he got mad mad about that question. Well, 52% <laughs> of the audience. So it was really close. Ooh. 52% of the audience says no pulp. Oh. Uh, those wow. people don't like to chew their juice. Twitter <laughs> is a desolate wasteland. Here, here, this one was very validating for me. So can I explain why I got so mad real quick? No. Okay. <laughs> Do you like Cheerios? 75% of the audience said yes. So obviously I was correct on my power rankings. <laughs> So I'll come but up with some new polls. You didn't ask if they liked them best. You that just asked if they liked them. Or that doesn't matter. Three out of the top five cereals of all time were all Cheerios related. That's, Seriously? <laughs> I felt like the reaction to that was clear. Okay. Yeah. Uh, people the, did not agree with me. Yeah. yeah, people did not agree with me on that. But yeah. I'm going to do better this week. Okay. Um, go so to our it, Twitter page, which is at The Scrimmage. I'll have new polls up by tomorrow yes. that relate to what we talked about this week. We'll review them next week. If you want to leave us comments, we'll read comments that you, if you want to get your opinion out there, we'd be happy to do that. It's also basically the only thing that can get me to get on Twitter is to vote on our polls. Yeah. <laughs> well, Daniel's discouraged because he's not as big a deal on Twitter as I am. No. <laughs> I'm, I am zero deal on Twitter. But because we want to be relevant in the podcasting and sports, sports podcasting game we have to do top five lists we have to do power rankings mm -hmm. so this week i'm going to do fast food restaurant power rankings i'm going to give you the top five and i have a few honorable mentions ready here's i'm, I'm ready oh wait, wait, are you ready wait, with the sorry. sound effect yeah okay i've My got bad. three honorable mentions you're going to play it i'm just going to read all three of them okay. so here are our honorable mentions okay. mentions of honor Jack in the Box, Five Guys, and Hardee's Oof. are the honorable mentions. Hardee's, huh? Yeah. Isn't Five Guys a sit-down restaurant? Fast food sit-down. I think. I think fast. I think 
Five Guys is in that gray area. Well, I think it's allowable. Hardee's, I'm not, I'm not even giving that an honorable mention. Have you ever eaten at a Hardee's? Isn't Hardee's the same as Carl's Jr.? I believe they're owned by the same all of their, company. All of their design looks the same. Yeah. Don't well, yeah. I what I remember from them is it yeah, it's pretty good, but it's overpriced. I haven't eaten at a Hardee's in a really long time, okay. but I remember that as like a youth and a so teenager. Like the opposite of Jack in the Box. <laughs> Jack in the Box, it's not very good, but they pay you to take it away. <laughs> <laughs> I, really? I think Jack in the Box no. is kind of expensive. Is it now? It, d- it didn't used to be. You it used definitely to be able to didn't get like a hundred tacos for fifty bucks. Because I used to be when I worked at Baskin Robbins, I would get off my shift at Baskin Robbins and drive through at Jack in the Box. I'd get three burgers for like four bucks. Yeah. So yeah, it used to be cheap, but I think it's kind of pricey now. Oh, oh shoot! Well. They've gone more like they followed McDonald's. By day, they're like a fast food bistro, and by night, it's where all the people who are high go to get all the different weird creations that they. Make. I thought that was Taco Bell. No, Jack in the Box made a serious push for that. Like I that know. 2 a.m. Yeah. food. I know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. They took over. Because Taco Bell used to have like fourth meal and all that. Yeah. Right. Now it's just live moss. Yeah. Fast food. <laughs> you guys are going to be disappointed that Taco Bell's not in this? or, or I don't know. Well, I'll see who's on it and then I'll yell at you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's Fast what these lists are rankings. for. Number five. Number five. Number five. Wait, Burger King. What? What's fuck? Why? I, I'm sorry. Burger King. Yeah. Okay. That's solid. Cinco. Cinco. I said quince. That's horrible. Cinco. Numero cinco. Thank you. Is it bad that I had to count on my fingers in Spanish to five before? I, I also did that, and okay. then I realized why that's the one I should know. Yeah. Cinco why were my fingers yeah. necessary? Yeah. Why were the? <laughs> why couldn't I have just counted to five? I don't know. I don't know. Well, at least you didn't say quince for no apparent reason. What the heck was that? Sorry. Anyway, isn't that fifteen? I don't know. I can't count past five. Okay. Pretty sure. <laughs> okay. Once. Burger King. Solid. I like Burger King. I think they're underrated when it comes to fast food. I think that their double cheeseburgers are delicious, and they have stupidly cheap nuggets that are way better than McDonald's nuggets. So, yeah, they should be on the list. I like to go to Burger King every once in a while and get a Bacon King. That yeah. is a bad sandwich, man. And I mean bad meaning good, not bad meaning bad. <laughs> It's good. Okay, number four. The late 90s called. <laughs> That's rad. Number four. Numero cuatro. Dairy Queen. Go get yourself a flamethrower and a little blizzard. You got a good meal. What's a flamethrower? <laughs> you got yourself What's a, a flamethrower. A flamethrower is a big burger with two patties and a bunch of stuff, and it also has like a, a bunch spice. Of stuff. Well, like lettuce and blah blah and all the other okay. stuff they put on it. But it has like a, a hot f- f- sauce on it. I don't okay. know what kind of hot sauce, but it has a spicy sauce. It's probably a flamethrower sauce. Yeah. So I like Burger King better than Dairy Queen. In fact, my wife and I just drove by Dairy Queen the other day and saw a huge line in the drive-thru, and we were like, really? People like Dairy Queen? No, the line is long because they take longer. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> but there's no... Under, the blizzards That's are delicious. true. The blizzards are great. <laughs> well, I like their burgers, and but the blizzard is the thing to me that puts it over the top. Okay. Like, if you're going to go there and get a meal and a dessert, then that's the place to go. If you right. got ice cream on the mind. Number three. Number three. Number three. Sonic Drive-In. Oh, I can get behind that. I like Sonic. Andrew? Which, 
I've been to Sonic once. Oh. Bold take. Somebody told me that Sonic was just slightly weirder Dairy Queen. And it yeah, that sounds right to me. Because it have lots of similar foods, and also their desserts are pretty awesome. So their desserts are awesome, and they have a really wide variety of desserts. I I like I actually like the Sonic Burger a lot. Like I like the way they do the burger there. And it the, I like it's the a chili little dog. it's a little pricey though. It, like yeah. it's not the but same. It's, it's kind of as pricey as Dairy Queen. Yeah, that's probably true. So yeah, yeah. If you're getting dessert stuff for yeah. sure. Okay. But also, don't they like skate out to your car at some of them? Yes, they yeah, do. Yeah. You know what? They. I've I thought only that seen was it... something that happened in the seventies. No, I've only seen it. <laughs> once, I'm dead serious. That still happens. I've seen it once. Yeah, they've happened. got. I went to a Yakima one and they skated out to the car. Yes, but now like so when I, you go up there, when I you pull that. into the the menu board has like a touchscreen TV thing inside of it, oh. so you just click the buttons on the touchscreen and or do your order, and then it just shoots out into your face. No, they they bring oh. it out to you. Okay, on rollerblades yeah. or skates. Roller Sometimes skates. they don't like all of their employees don't do it, but I feel like they give their employees the option to do it. They should give their employees a bonus to do it. I agree. Backwards. Yeah. Number two. I lost it. I'm sorry. Here we go. <laughs> Number two. Number two. Wendy's. I love Wendy's. Daniel, you and I, this was a yeah. tradition we had when we were on the way on our way back from basketball broadcasts. We'd say, Do you want to get baconated? <laughs> yeah. Getting baconated. Yeah. The other There's thing that we used to say. To yes. The other thing we used to say involved pandas and it was not appropriate to repeat, so we will not do that. But baconator at Wendy's, they also, if you're going to eat with your family, the $5 biggie bags, the oh. four for four, that is bang for your buck like no other fast food I place. just had a $5 biggie bag the other day after yeah. the basketball game I broadcast. Yep. Basketball broadcast, $5 biggie bag. Boom. Wow. Yeah. Nicely done. Wendy's Andrew? is awesome. Okay. I love Wendy's. Okay. Bold. So <laughs> now that I've Bold given you these ones, the do you guys have a guess for what number one might be? If it's what I think it is, I'm going to be upset. Is what? it McDonald's? I don't know. I'll be <laughs> upset if it is. I'm going to spoil something here. I, oh. bet it's, I bet it's Taco Bell and he was just throwing us off earlier. I'm going to spoil something here. McDonald's is terrible. Thank I know you. McDonald's is like oh. the most profitable fast food restaurant in the country and the world. Like it's number one on all these different lists. I get it. It's incredibly popular. For me, it's like... The place I would go if I have no other choice. Yeah, I went there the other day because I had no other options, and yeah. I was like, nah. They do have decent coffee there, so there was a there. If if I was like, I needed a coffee, I don't want to stop at a coffee shop. I want to get like a two dollar iced coffee. That's okay. where I would go. All but, right, but like, and then the breakfast sandwiches are good. But are they, they though? They're good, but also. When I run into a situation where I need a breakfast sandwich and Burger King is two blocks away, there's no way I'm going to McDonald's for a breakfast sandwich. Exactly. They have those. They have a two for four mix and match or a two for five mix and match at Burger King right now with croissant breakfast sandwiches. Ugh. So much better than anything you get at McDonald's. Or you want something better than that? You go two more blocks down to Jack in the Box and get yourself a massive breakfast burrito that will be amazing and also destroy your toilet in about six hours time. Yeah. That's the only downside. The burrito's so good, though. Number one. <laughs> Wait. Number one. Uno. Panera Bread. The French toast? 
no, no, no Panera, French Panera toast bread, there. not French toast. Panera bread is the best, best fad fast food split. Uh-huh. If I'm an Olympia and I have all the options for every fast food place that I could possibly go, he I'm going to, to Panera bread. Side. They have sandwiches. They have pita pizzas. They have soups. They have smoothies. They have like everything I just, would want. Just any restaurant that isn't like you sit down and they come to take your order. Is that get fair game? That's Is what that I'm what I'm won- picking up that's here? That's what Is- I'm wondering. Like, I never would have thought of Panera Bread because it's as not fast greasy. food. Because it's not greasy. Because it doesn't even ever have a drive-through option. There's a the Panera Bread in Olympia by the mall literally has a drive-through. I've been through it what? a million times. I don't know what this is anyway. Then yeah, but maybe I'm thinking of the a one that's across the street from Capitol Mall in Olympia. I've been through that drive-through dozens of times. Yeah, no, it kind of their branding kind of looks like Olive Garden, but they do have a drive-through. And the drive-through, what's throwing me off because I was thinking fast food meant like greasy food, but now like is Subway fast food? I feel like Subway has to be up there if, in the fast. If food. Panera Bread is then, then Subway, Subway would has have to be because there are Subways with drive-throughs. Yeah. I'm not choosing Subway over Panera Bread, though. I go to Panera Bread every time. Yeah. Good stuff there. How much is it? What's the price like? Is it more than five guys? Full disclosure, (laughs) I put them in the honorable mentions. I've only been to five guys once. I've never been on five guys. I feel kind of bad. Yeah. I hear it's delicious. Panera Bread. Don't don't get the burger to go and try to eat it in the car, though. You need to be sitting down to eat it. Uh, Okay. What I'll say about Panera Bread, because I feel like I've had a hot take about everything else. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to have a hot take about this one because it shocked me. I, w- I was shocked. I was caught off guard. No In and Out. I've never been to In and Out, and I've heard it's overrated. overrated. It's I agree overrated. that it's overrated, yeah. but but it probably belongs in a top seven. I looked eight. at a top fifty fast food yeah. ranking, and In and Out was like number thirty something. I interesting. Okay, if we're allowing if we're allowing Panera Bread, and if we're if we're going on quality of food, then I feel like you put it in a, in a correct spot. But okay. quality of food versus price, then you can have an argument. But also, probably... Panda Express wasn't in this list, and according to the oh, rules that we're yeah. seeing, Panda Express belongs on this list. Not a fast food oh. restaurant. But you can have drive through Panda. Not a fast food restaurant. Based on what? Listen, guys, if I don't Panera make the rules. Bre- I just enforce them, okay? <laughs> Panda Express is not a fast food restaurant. It's a uh, really good restaurant. It's a takeout restaurant. We're okay? going to have some fighting to do here. If we're going to have, gonna some, have fighting. some fighting. Because <laughs> I like the Panda. Take three paces and draw. <laughs> What's happening? I don't know, but that was Justin's power ranking of the week. I hated it. Good job. <laughs> Why did you hate it? What was your biggest specific gripe about it? It successfully let us yell at Justin about things. Except yeah. for I agreed well, I, too said much about yeah. I, I said good job. I said good job. I just hated it. I think it. I nailed it. They were all in the wrong spot and you didn't have the best ones. What was the best one? Panda Express. Not a fast food restaurant. See? Okay, let me say this. If you're going to go with Panera Bread, you have to have Panda. If Panda Express were considered a fast food restaurant, which it is not, it would be number two between Panera and Wendy's. I can understand that. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I like fresh food, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> if only it was, like, actually super. If only there was a Panera Bread in, in this area. I would love that. What about Arby's? <laughs> you know, 
This is a, okay, so this is a good question because so Bro. for most of I my just, life, I just said that for Daniel's response. Are we allowed to like uh, like attack businesses on our podcast? I, I don't see why not. Okay, so I for most of my life, I've loved Arby's. Our local Arby's in Aberdeen has completely ruined it for me. Uh, I'm so glad that yours lasted longer than our lo- than when our local came because. I loved Arby's so much that one time my brother and I ordered like 20 of their roast beef sandwiches and we each ate like eight and my dad had the other four. But then I started to get sick every time I ate at Arby's and it didn't matter where it was. I would try, I tried an Arby's in Ellensburg. I tried an Arby's in Spokane. It started in Spokane, by the way. I tried an L- the Arby's in Centralia. I I've tried the Arby's in Aberdeen. And every time I got sick, so I can't eat at Arby's anymore. And I used to love it. You I, were so persistent. I was, because I loved it. I loved Arby's, but I, it comes flying out one end of my body, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> and it started in Spokane when I ate four roast beef sandwiches and I ralphed four roast beef sandwiches. You know, it's the other one that Daniel likes that you left off the list is Taco Time. Oh, Taco Time can. Burn in the depths. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Harsh words. I'm sorry. I'm just poking Daniel's fast food mates now. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Our Aberdeen one has done nothing. Arby's has done nothing to bring me back. Let's put it this way. I did try them twice. They had actual repeated health code violations there, too, yeah. which makes me feel uncomfortable as it is. But I've eaten there two or three times. And when I went, the staff was super friendly. They yeah. were really nice. Yeah. The food was just not good. I think, I honestly think I might be allergic to something they put in their meat. You think that's Probably meat? that pink stuff. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I've only been to Arby's, well, I think I've been to other Arby's a handful of times maybe throughout my life. But I've only been to that Arby's here once and I had like three gyros and they were great. And you had three of those I think things? it's pronounced gyros. Gyros. Gyro. Can I have some of them gyros, please? All right, let's move on. And oh, now it's my it's my thing. I have to. <laughs> I'm so I'm so out of it. I feel like this Daniel's tired. I am tired. It's been it's a, been a long week. It's been a long month. Daniel's got a lot going on. We have to extend him grace. Don't worry. He's gonna have a baby soon, and he'll Daniel. get a lot more rest. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Listeners, please do not attack Daniel. He is, I mean, if you look at his face, he looks exhausted. Plus, it's more fun to attack Justin. That's a good point. That's fine. All right. So, it is now time for our Athlete of the Week of the... Uh, I thirst from your booze. I thirst? <laughs> booze? Thirst? I'm, now I'm thirsty. I want some booze. What? Dang it. What? I was trying to say... What's going on? I hydrate myself with people's negative energy. <laughs> <laughs> but it just sounded like... You thirst... You know, for booze. Like I think booing. that's what you were trying to say. I understand now. But I Holy thought you were just saying that he wanted hard alcohol. I thought so he I do. I kind what of do. What do you say you I think you've had enough already, Justin. Seriously. <laughs> I'm just a thirsty boozer. Anyway, thank you to our sponsors who I'm sure are super happy that Justin's a thirsty boozer. Uh, Oli Penn Real Estate and the law office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz. It is now time for our Oli Penn Athlete of the Week. And this week it is 
Colton Burns. He is a swimmer for the Aberdeen Boys Swim Team. He had two individual wins and a relay win and a team win on Saturday. Nice. Congratulations to Colton. And Justin, I hope you talk to somebody because I don't know much about swimming. Well, I, <laughs> I, the, a lot of this information comes from uh, the Daily World. So thank you to the Daily World for giving putting this information out. But I also did have a brief uh, conversation, a little text conversation with the head coach of the Aberdeen Boys swimming team earlier today. Um, so I'm just going to give you some bullet points about things that happened. This is pretty cool. Um, the way this team is constructed. Um, Aberdeen scored 85 points in a dual meet on Saturday, topping Mark Morris, Hoquiam, and R.A. Long. Colton Burns, who is our Athlete of the Week, won the 200 individual medley, the 100 freestyle, and was a part of the 200 free relay team with Elijah Olson, Tyler Bates, and Russell Bates. Tyler and Russell Bates each, each also picked up an individual win and teamed up with Foster Patterson and Isaac Brent to win the 200 medley relay. Wow. For Hoquiam, Zach Parker won the 100 fly, and Tommy Wallace won the 100 breast. Aberdeen Hoquiam coach Rob Burns was quoted in the Daily World as saying, This was a great day to be a Bobcat and a Grizzly. The entire team has worked very hard in this short season. Mark Morris is a great program. To come away with a win today, especially in a hard-fought competitive meet, is big for this team. Wait, so... Aberdeen got the win. Yeah. Did Mark Morris take second? Yes, Mark okay. Morris was second. And it was pretty close. I think it was like 85 to 82 or something like that. But uh, the way this team is constructed, I think, is kind of cool. Because what I was confused after I read the article, like, is Aberdeen Hoquiam one team? Are they two separate teams? Because Rob Burns is the coach of both of those teams. And no relation to our Athlete of the and Week. And no relation to our Athlete of the Week. It's just a coincidence. But it's interesting because he told me that they are basically, they, they practice together, they function basically as one big team, the Aberdeen and the Hoquiam kids together. But then when they have a meet, they compete separately, um, but they all just, they're basically one team. So it's, it's kind of cool to see that, you know, the, the schools, because I'm assuming that since there's only two boys on the Hoquiam swim team, they probably wouldn't have enough interest to have their own team. Mm -hmm. So to know that they can be incorporated into it and that this sport, which is a little more off the radar sport that can really thrive and grow and, and kids can be interested in it and participate in it. And uh, so huge shout out to Rob Burns for making this happen um, for this combo team. And major congratulations to Colton Burns for his success in leading his team to a win. Absolutely. And first, I want to have Andrew talk about, so you had a kind of a similar thing when you swam. Cause when, when I swam until my senior year, it was a combined team of all the high schools in Grace Harbor. We had uh, we had a, a few kids from Hoquiam and a kid from Monty, and then mo I, like the bulk of the team was from Aberdeen, and it was the but but it was all one team, and it was the Grays Harbor Buccaneers. And you guys had some sweet logos, yeah, skulls and crossblades, black and gold colors. Um, but then my senior year, there were no kids from any of the other schools, and I was not aware that they were uh, that there were Hoquiam swimmers now which i think is awesome that they're uh, they're able to swim uh at that point in my senior year it was just the aberdeen bobcat swim team and uh so yeah that's awesome now i want to ask you some questions about these events that our athlete of the week colton burns was in so <laughs> i'll try to answer I, them. <laughs> I know they're gonna be pretty basic because i don't know anything about swimming but i'm super excited about seeing this success because aberdeen has had a good swimming program for a long time i mean 
since you were a part of it is when I first started paying attention and yeah. I learned about some of the swimmers back then. But the he, Colton Burns won the 200 individual medley. And what is the medley? Medley is where you swim all four competitive strokes. So in the 200 medley, he's swimming 50, 50 meters. I think it's yeah. meters in high school. Uh, 50 meters of each stroke. Okay. And you just, so, no pause between them. You go is it's there, down and back in each stroke. Is it an So you don't have to go order? one fly it, stroke, then one breast stroke, then one other one. And No, it's, no, no, not like that. You have to, <laughs> you have to do them all together for 50, uh, two lengths of the pool back down and back. It is, you start in back. Okay. Then breast, then fly, then, then free. free. Yeah. Okay. I had to think through that in my head, envisioning this. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty certain that's the the order. So to win that particular event, you're very well rounded. Yes. Yeah. You have to have all all your strokes. You have to be fast at everything, and also you need to like 200. It's not a it's not a a long distance race. But a 200 is like, it's getting into like that middle length and then you're doing all of the strokes. So you're not able to, uh, you're not able to, uh, like focus. Like it's, it's easier to, it's easier to do 200 of, of one stroke mm-hmm. generally speaking than to do 50 of each all in a bunch of rows. So it ends up being that that's really, really taxing. It's, it's like four sprints in a row. Each with a different, interesting. Each with a different stroke. Yeah, that's really cool, and awesome to learn more about it too. Because mm-hmm. I mean, even when Andrew was swimming, and I was becoming friends with Andrew, I like went and watched him swim once. <laughs> I, and he outtouched a person by like a hundredth of a second or something like that. So is a 100 freestyle, is freestyle just like regular swimming? Uh, that's what you're thinking of, yeah. Freestyle is uh, like a cross stroke. Okay. Yeah. So those are the and two actually, wins. I believe I'm, I'm actually second guessing this now. I'm like eighty percent sure that freestyle could be any of the other ones. It's just that the crawl stroke is the fastest way to swim, okay. and that's why they call it freestyle. I believe. Okay, so they get to pick whichever one they, technically, whatever they can do to get through the the water. Could I do a I, doggy I paddle? You could, and you would lose. <laughs> But you wouldn't be disqualified. Whereas some of the other, like if you take an overarm stroke when you're swimming breaststroke, you're going to be disqualified because you didn't follow the rules of the stroke that you're competing with. Okay. Gotcha. So the medley relay would be each swimmer swimming a different one. Yep. And, but those, and that that's is what... literally for sprints. Yeah. And then it's really fun to watch. The other one that he was in was the 200 free relay. So that's just, and that's just, that's four sprints of, uh, uh, the freestyle freestyle. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. So congratulations again to Colton Burns for getting the two event wins and then the relay win as well. in the boys victory over Mark Morris and Andrew, I'm assuming Mark Morris was a team that you swam against. I mean, they seem like a team that would have a good swim team. For some reason, when I heard Mark Morris, I was like, "Duh, Mark Morris," and I felt like they'd be good swimmers. So what's funny is I don't know why I, I was, felt that way. Because you knew a guy named Mark once, and he was a really fast like swimmer. I was thinking about His this, and I, I don't actually remember swimming against Mark okay. Morris. We swam against Kelso. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, and did so you guys I, maybe I don't swim know, in a higher I don't, classification? Because, I don't know. We may have... Because you guys were a big have, combo team, yeah. like drawing from different schools. Maybe you had to swim a class up. I 
I probably didn't even know at the time, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I just jump in the water. I just, just jumped in the I water and swam. Yep. Okay, so congratulations again to Colton. He is our Oli Pen Real Estate Athlete of the Week. Also, our Oli Pen Athlete of the Week, we have two this week, and the other one goes to Michael Lorton Watkins. He had a massive game against Montesano. As he is a Hoquiam Grizzly. He had 29 or 30. I said 29, the Daily World said 30. They probably got the official stats, and I just kept my own. 30 sounds way more impressive than 29. I say we go with that. Okay, we'll go with 30. So, (laughs) yeah, this is going to look really great, because I did a picture of him for the the KWK player of the game, and it'll say 29 points, and then... The athlete of the week will say thirty points, so it's gonna <laughs> just look put twenty nine or thirty points. Or 30 points. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he had an absolutely brilliant game. Justin, he had six three pointers in the second quarter alone, and he had 20- that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and he had twenty points. Good in analysis that, in that quarter. Um, he also had a buzzer beater three in the third quarter to end the third quarter and it was kind of fun to it was a lot of fun to watch that game by the way it was a very exciting game i wish that it would have been closer because the closer the game the more exciting but the type of offense that was being played and also some interesting defense uh, made it a lot of fun for me to watch so i thought it was a very fun one to watch as mon as hoquiam got the win over montesano and large in part due to michael lorton watkins 20 point second quarter on his way to 30 points on the night. I mean, it's pretty crazy the thought that someone scored 20 points in one quarter because a lot of times, Daniel, when you and I cover games, we kind of go with the thought that, okay, good offensive teams should be able to regularly crack 60 points. Mm-hmm. Um, really good offensive teams will be getting up into the 70s and the 80s regularly, but even if you got to 80, that would mean you're scoring 20 points a quarter. Yeah. For a really good offensive team. Well, this <laughs> exactly. kid did it himself. Yeah. That's insane. Six three-pointers in one quarter is absolutely crazy. And from the highlights that I watched, it looked like he was shooting without fear. You know, absolutely. he's a versatile shooter. He can go get his own shot. He can shoot contested. He can shoot off the dribble. He can catch and shoot. He's got the ability to do these shots in all these different ways. And it's just really impressive to see a kid be able to do that at the in, in high school at the 1A level to be able to shoot the way he does is really impressive. Exactly. And as, there was one shot that wasn't on those highlights that might have been the most impressive to me where he crossed over broke the ankles of the defender he like went falling the other direction didn't actually fall down but you know went stumbling the other direction and then like Lillard sidestepped Mm -hmm. or McCollum sidestepped to the right away from the defender and then popped the three off of that and drilled it and I was just like oh my goodness (laughs) he is he is all on his game tonight like it was just insane to watch some of the plays that he had because in the second half like in the first half when he went on that run, probably the first three of those threes, he was able to be in rhythm, catch and shoot, have some time. The second three, the defense is kind of starting to scrambling to get after him. But in the second half, they put somebody on him and were like, don't leave his side. So the the points that he scored after the first half were hard. He had to work hard for him. Yeah, I mean, this win specifically for Hoquiam was a really big deal because they now sit atop the Evergreen 
um, league standings with a five and one record, with Montesano right behind them at four and two. They will play each other one more time towards the end of the season. I think it's in like a week, last game of the year maybe. Um, so we'll see if Montesano can come back in the in the rubber match because they've split up to this point. But huge win for Hoquiam there. Absolutely. And again, Michael Lorton Watkins, our Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. Now to get into that game a little bit more because I thought it was really interesting. We've seen Trace Ridgeway dominate some games bef- before, mm-hmm. and in this game, Hoquiam went with the box-and-one defense, which I think, Justin, we've seen other teams in recent years try yeah. to do that, and they ended up getting shot out of it. Like when we saw Aberdeen, somebody tried to run a box-and-one against Aberdeen, and Ben DeBlanco didn't score 30, but I'm pretty sure Javier Bojorge did that game. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Monty decided, or Hoquim tried to do against Monty, and they put a box in one defense against Trace Ridgeway, and they're like, everybody else can beat us, but we're not going to let Trace beat us. And in the first half, Monty couldn't do anything offensively. They could not get going. They were not hitting any open shots from the outside, and it was just an absolute struggle for them. And Trace was working his tail off to try and get some shots up, and he ended up only getting three shots up total in the first half. He was two for three from the field because the defense of Giovanni Foster and uh, Francis Timmy Higgins, still not quite sure which one to call him, but he's Francis on the roster, and we know him as Timmy. He's Timmy in track, and he's Francis in basketball. Okay, gotcha. That's not confusing. (laughs) Francis did a great job. They both played excellent defense as the one in that box-and-one defense, But then in the second half, some of the players that you would expect to step up and score did. Like Caden Lovell had 11 points in the third quarter, I think, and 16 16 points in the second half. Mm -hmm. So because Hoquiam stayed in that defense and he started to find success, he ended up having to get himself going by going to the hoop. But then he started hitting some threes. Christian Tyler started hitting some threes. But at the start of the game, they just had no offense until those players started making shots from the outside. It took Montesano too long to figure it out because the score was extremely lopsided early. Um, I watched a decent amount of it on the NFHS network. I felt like really strongly that that box and one only worked because of what a great job the one defender Mm -hmm. did on Trace. Because you can run a box and one all you want, but if that guy doesn't clamp down the one he's a man on, then it doesn't work. And those the defenders did a fantastic job. Um, But the other side of it was, you know, like you said, Montesano, they figured some things out later in the game. They started knocking down some shots. And for a good portion of the end of the game, the teams actually played pretty even. But because Hoquiam got off to that huge start, Monty figured it out on offense, it was too little too late. And they didn't figure it out on defense because Hoquiam was still able to score to keep the margin roughly the same. Absolutely. Yeah, so it should be a great rematch, though. Yeah. Because expect Monty to be fully prepared to attack that defense next time. Yeah. And that's how I think this is going to be a really fun matchup. I think both of these coaches are going to have a lot of fun working strategy against each other, not only to end this year, but into the years to the future. Hoquiam, uh, brand new coach, Kyle Bloomberg. So the rest of the league kind of getting used to how he runs that Hoquiam team, which is just going to be different from mm-hmm. from what we've seen. I mean, he's a new coach, so he brings in a new style. So it'll be interesting to watch how teams adjust to him as opposed to Curtis Eccles, who was the coach for let's a see, long his, time. 
Well, don't say it like it's a long time because I played for him. That makes me feel old. That means really it was long a time. really long time. It was like you, 14 years ago, 15 years all ago. All you have to say is I played for him and everyone <laughs> will know it's a long time. Yeah. That's a long time for somebody to coach in one place. All right, Andrew, you can play that, uh, play our music for our local sports roundup as we kind of started it already, but it was... There we go. All right. So, uh, elsewhere in boys' hoops, Aberdeen beat Rochester 52-48 to on Monday. Andrew Tro had 12 points, and Jeremy Sawyer and Cale Goings were cited for their defensive play. Montesano's boys beat Tonino on Tuesday 52-37. to Trace Ridg- Ridgeway in that game had 17 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals. Unfortunately for Montesano, they turned around on Wednesday and lost to Elma 55-36. to uh, Logan Witt had 11 points for Elma, along with Nick Church's 11 points for Elma, and Cannon Seberg added 10 for the Eagles as well. Trace Ridgeway did not play in that game. Tohola beat Wishka 79-23 on Thursday. John Brown had 16 points and 10 rebounds. And Tommy Underwood had 15 points, 7 rebounds, 6 steals, and 5 assists. Jaden Lewis had 14 points and 8 rebounds. And Isaiah Mowich, who was, I believe, an Athlete of the Week last year at some point, had 10 points and 8 rebounds. Javon James Juno had 20 rebounds in that matchup. Wow, lots of stats in that game. Uh, and we already covered Hoke Williams' 66-49 win over Montesano. Michael Orton Watkins, 30 or 29 points in that game, <laughs> 20 in the second quarter. Moving on to girls' hoops. Raymond, this is not a typo, beat South Bend 64-8 on wow. Monday. Wow. Kira Gardner, 22 points and 12 steals for the Seagulls. Uh, yeah, that was not the only oh. total that had eight points in it. We'll get to that here in a second. Uh, Montesano <laughs> beat Tenino 57-43 on Tuesday, bouncing back from a previous loss against Tenino. Zoe Leicherness had 23 points, 13 rebounds. Wow, Athlete of the Week snub right there. <laughs> Paige Leicherness had 13 points, 11 rebounds, four steals, and four assists as... I have heard someone reference them as the Leischer and I. <laughs> they like continue it. to dominate. Uh, credit we'll get Ian, more to Leischernesses a little bit here. Yeah, too. credit Ian Cope for the Leischer and I reference there. Uh, it was a rough week for the Elma Eagles girls team. A couple of losses on back-to-back nights. On Tuesday, Hoquiam took down Elma 43-35. to Sherea Bryden had 13 points for Hoquiam. And Ella Moore paced the Eagles with 8 points. Then on Wednesday, Montesino, Montesano beat Elma. This is the other 8 we were talking about. 53-8. to And here's Sheesh. another Lycianus reference page. 17 points. And Monty led in this game 41-3 to at the half. Yeah, I broadcast that game. That was a that was a tough one. It was twenty-two to nothing after the first quarter, forty-one to three at the half. I can't remember what the scoring totals after that were, but it was. Thankfully, I didn't know there was running clocks, but there are running clocks in basketball. Uh, let's see. Aberdeen beat Shelton sixty-three to twenty-two. Wow! So they got into the running clock as well. Maddie Gore had thirteen points in that one. Raymond took down El Waco fifty-seven to forty-nine on Friday. Kyra Gardner had another twenty-two points, nine rebounds, eight assists, and seven steals. That's pretty darn close to a quadruple double there. That is Just a really few close. stats off. <laughs> 
I mean, if she would have gotten the quadruple double, she would have been athlete of the week. No, that's a, definitely another snub there, but, you know, Kyra's a stud. She'll be back in it. And then to round it out, Montesano beat Hoquiam 57-27 on Friday. Paige Leishernis, again, 21 points and 9 rebounds. She's the athlete of the week snub here. Yeah, Paige, she solid be. on all three games. That's true. Uh, wow, we got we got even more. Yeah, stuff we got a couple go more. So we got girls bowling. Um, Aberdeen with a score of thirteen ninety three took down Shelton on Wednesday. Shelton had thirteen oh five, so close game there. Bailey Taylor had the high game for Aberdeen and in the whole match with one hundred and forty two. Taylor and also Cameron Michaud led all bowlers in their three game totals with totals of 374. And then just as a final note, state powerlifting, uh, Montesano's boys finished second as a team and Montesano's girls took sixth. I heard there is uh, someone we might know in that powerlifting thing too. Oh, I knew a lot of them, <laughs> but specifically my son finished in fifth place in the 148 pound weight class. There we go. Nice. And as a freshman. Yeah. That's impressive. All right, that's going to do it for our local sports roundup. Andrew, I'm going to give you time to set up as we are going to cover some things. No, we're not going to cover anything next. We, we have a mailbag. We have a mailbag coming up. Are we even covering anything? We already have Justin's just random power rankings weeks, and I feel like the mail, mailbags is, is an extension off of that where we just get to talk about random stuff. Well, the mailbag... There's some questions here. Yeah, but the listeners know, like but... mailbag, but you know what? Screw you, listeners. I'm going back to the old days. I'm going to say, screw you, listeners. We're skipping mailbag. What? No mailbag today. So what oh, are we what are we do? doing? We're going to take a commercial break, and then I'm going to try and figure out what we're doing? No mailbag. The team of realtors at Olipen Real Estate wish you and your family good health during this stay-home, stay-safe time. Their team has health and safety measures in place to protect you and everyone involved in the process. If you're thinking about selling your home, now is a great time. There are more buyers than available homes. Many homes are still receiving multiple offers and are selling for above asking price. Olipen Real Estate will help you put the most money possible in your pocket, in less time, without the hassle. Visit SellMyHarborHome.com to get your home market ready. The Olipen team is ready to work for you. All right, so yeah, we are not going to do a mailbag. Yeah. We are out of time and Andrew and I are late for a very important... Appointment today, but the Mariners, it was a close game. Now it's not. <laughs> the Padres are up eight. Oh, they're winning by a lot? <laughs> the Padres are up 8-1. to one. Oh. Have there been any hits? That's the important. Uh, I don't know. I we mean, just don't want to get no hit again. Oh, yeah, there's been hits. Remember, oh, I told good. you that our pitcher had an RBI double. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. That was this game. Okay. Uh, Phil Mickelson might become the oldest player ever to win a major. He is 50 years old, and he is currently up by three strokes. And that was just the random stuff that I decided to tell you because we're not doing a mailbag. So, <laughs> so for my co-host, Dan, Arby's coming out of both ends, Hargrove. And my co-host, Tin, screw you listeners, Domashevitz. And our producer, Andrew, thumping up and down the stairs, gross. <laughs> You've been listening to the scrimmage. <laughs> Glad one of us was watching the clock, I'm just saying.